Welcome to Kairos Talks, the Crucial Conversation Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the show. This is Chad, your host, and we're going to be talking and starting a series called Being Set Apart. Now, if you're listening to this, and that means that you are interested in personal growth, it means that you are interested in having crucial conversations that can lead to growth. And so today we're going to start this three-part series. And like I said before, each one of our series parts are going to be ideally about 15 minutes. We might go a little bit over into the 20-minute section of time, but really we're talking about concise thoughts and frameworks. And so this is not an exhaustive guide to being set apart. It's just an introduction to the concept and a framework that you can apply to start really looking at being set apart. So why are we going to be set apart? What does it mean for us on a personal level? Well, it's actually pretty simple. Uh, First, let's talk about the advantages to you from a professional component. One, um, if you are set apart in your workplace, if you are someone who is seen as slightly different than just everyone else, then you're going to be seen as someone who's ambitious, who's ready to grow, who's looking for promotions, and is looking to step up in a leadership capacity. And that in the workplace, um, as a manager, someone who's hired a lot of people, recruited a lot of people, that is something that is um, amazing to look at. It's something that is quite frankly just exciting to to hire into and promote into. You know, when we look at employees who are showing ambition, who are showing work ethic, who are set apart from their co- their peers and colleagues, because they are dedicated to the opportunity that is in front of them, and that's that's one of the reasons from a professional standpoint that we need to be set apart. The second piece of being set apart is the personal and community aspects of it. When we're set apart in our communities, in our personal relationships, we also see that that's an opportunity, one, to be put into a leadership position, whether that be in a club that you hang out with, whether that be in a group of friends that you're you're regularly seeing. When you're set apart, when you're slightly different, then people are going to look to you as a leader in that group, whatever that is. Now, additionally, when you have relationships, interpersonal relationships, and you're seeing seen as different or as a leader... Now you have an opportunity to speak further into their lives. You have an opportunity to really speak into their lives and be respected and listened to on a different level than oftentimes some of your other friends. And the third thing I just want to hit on is is specifically for Christians. If you're a Christian listening to this, then, then you know that we are called to be set apart. Um, one verse that comes to mind is Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16, where where we're called to be set apart from the world. We're called to be seen as different, as children of God and really living that life that we proclaim to live through our faith in Jesus Christ. So we've got a professional advantage. We've got our personal motivator and our Christian calling for those of us who are Christians um, on this show today. This framework that we're going to introduce you to is consisted of three parts. We're going to get started on the first one today and spend the remainder of our time really dedicated to understanding this part. And the other two segments, those will be dedicated to those two parts. So the three parts we're going to get discussing with and the first one we'll be diving into. The first is serving others. The second is being engaged. And the third is setting intentions and extreme ownership. This framework, as we get started in talking about being set apart, is one of the things that we're going to use in the rest of our conversations. 
It's something that's going to help us to have those advantages in the professional, personal, and walk in the calling that we have as Christians. And as we investigate these things, we have to make sure that we're not offended, that we're taking them with an open mind, and make sure that we're evaluating honestly what it looks like in our life to be implementing these parts of the framework. We use this word framework because it can be applied in any number of ways. A framework is something that is loose and is available to be built upon by you in your own life, in your own situations, in your own career. So, let's talk about serving others. When we're talking about serving others, and this seems kind of stereotypical, but we're talking about serving others, we're really looking at making sure we understand what they really want and need. This is the first piece of serving others. What do others want and need? When people start discussing the ideas of wants and needs, one of the first things that comes to mind for most people is the idea of love languages. The love language conversation has been really at the front of our culture for quite some years now, and the reality is it's extremely valuable. We've got these five love languages that all people tend to communicate in, and not just that they want to communicate in them, but rather they need to communicate in them. And if we don't meet people where they are, and if we don't communicate in the way that they need to be communicated with, then we may not even be speaking the same language. That's one of the big parts of the book, Five Love Languages. If you have a few moments, I highly recommend looking into that book. It's a fantastic read, and it'll explain a lot of dynamics for various types of people. When we look further into the love languages, we see that they are a part of what's called a social currency. It's the ways that we communicate, whether by giving someone something or by receiving something. And that's going to be a much larger topic to discuss, but know that sometimes when it comes to communicating with people, we've got to meet them with where they are. There are things that we can give to people that make them feel valued, and there are things that we can ask of them that will make them feel valued. This is social currencies. For my mother, she is the type of person who loves to give gifts. One of the ways that someone can ask something of her is to give her an opportunity to give a gift to someone. When she gives a gift to someone, she feels valued. Now that seems backwards from the way we normally think about gift giving, because normally in gift giving, we think about receiving a gift and how when we receive a gift, we feel valued. So in that instance, one of the ways that we can make her feel valued is to make sure that she has an opportunity to give someone something. For me, I'm not quite that way. In fact, I am the worst at gift giving, not just giving gifts, but also receiving gifts. For me, I'm more likely to feel valued if you trust me to help you with something. If you need an ear to talk to you, or if you need someone to come change your tire at 10 o'clock at night, that's how you make me feel valued, is you can give me your trust. Others, they need a big hug. They need someone to come up to them and just give them a hug or compliment them. And it's up to us to really take a second to look and see what do other people need. In our professional line of work, with those that we work with, within professional boundaries, obviously, but what are the things that we can give people in the little things that we do? Could we write our coworker a note that says, hey, you're doing awesome, I just wanted to let you know. Can we give that guy at the front desk a high five? Because, you know, his love language is touch, and there's professional boundaries we have to hold on to there, but that high five is enough to let him know that we're thinking about him and that he is valued in our workplace. Is it enough to buy someone a chocolate bar and give them a gift when they, you know, are looking down or encourage them with a little note? 
those little things, understanding what they need and giving it to them is going to be a huge part of serving other people. And here's the reality of it. It's not just what they want. Sometimes it is actually what they need. And we have to understand that. Some things are wants, yes. But when someone wants to have a connection with you, and someone wants to do that in a way that is meaningful to both you and them, then we need to understand that that want is more than just a desire that hopefully has happened one day. It is the point at which meaningful relationships happen by coming to their level. And that's not up or down. That is just side to side. We're adjusting to their love languages. So the question we have to ask is what is it that the people that we interact with on a work level, a personal level, and also on a faith level need? Do they need that word of encouragement or that hug? Or do they need that compliment? Or is that little $5 Starbucks gift card going to make them feel super special? Take a look at yourself first and figure out what it is that you most associate with being valued. Then we can look outside and start looking at how other people feel valued. And I encourage you to ask this question because it will change so much of the way that you interact with other people. Ask them, what do you need to feel valued? You'd be surprised how many times someone just wants to grab coffee with you and also have an opportunity to share what's happening in their life. Maybe they love to be the person who's there for you, and that's one of the ways they feel valued. But the other way they feel valued is actually being able to reciprocate that, that they get to share with you. And if you ask that question and you give a second to listen to them, truly listen, then you're going to find just maybe that that is an opportunity to serve them in the way that they need, not just something that they want. The second part of this is what are we currently doing to meet the need of those around us? Take a hard look at yourself for a moment here and ask that question. We have people in our lives that matter greatly to us, and yet we constantly think that we're probably going above and beyond for those people. But if you're really honest with yourself... Like really honest, like harshly honest with yourself. Are you doing enough? Are you meeting them where they need to be met at? One example that that comes to mind is this friend of our family's. She used to stay at her house and stay in her spare bedrooms. And and she'd do it for a couple days every couple months. And she was really close with our family. And I remember one morning, I, I, you know, we all were hanging out, having fun, playing games, whatever. The next day, it came downstairs, and there was this, like, thundercloud in the room. And I was like, what is happening? And suddenly, I was like, all right, I got to get to the bottom of this because people unhappy, you know, that's this is not a great vibe. And so I went about, and I started kind of asking questions, and I discovered that this, this friend was upset because no one had offered to get them a glass of water before bed. Now, if you're a part of my family, if you've been to my house even now as an adult with me and my wife here, I literally have said several times, no one's mom lives here. Do you know where the cups are? And if you don't, there's only like eight cupboards in the house. Have fun, right? And that's kind of the mentality I had at that time, especially at that time. And I just remember, okay, you're upset because no one offered to get you a glass of water. I don't understand. And it was at that moment in time that I realized that maybe... I was doing enough from my limited perspective in the way that I communicate value. I was doing enough to make them feel valued because I want to feel at home where I go. But for them, they enjoy the little act of me getting a glass of water. And I realized that what I was doing in that moment in time was not what they needed. 
Although I was trying to communicate in the way that I find value, I was not meeting them where they needed to feel valued. I was not going to the place that they needed me to go. And from that day forward, and I'm not perfect, but I was always giving that person a glass of water. As we, you know, as everyone said, I was like, hey, do you want me to get your glass of water? No problem. Here it is. It took me 20 seconds to go downstairs, a couple minutes to grab the ice and the water, and just to bring it back up the stairs to this person. And it wasn't a big deal to me. But to them, it meant everything. It meant that I valued them. And so I realized I was not doing enough to meet those needs. I was not doing enough to meet them where they felt valued. So what are you doing currently to meet those needs? And I'm not saying that what you're not doing is enough, but what I'm saying is we need to evaluate what we're currently doing. And the third piece is that you need to know it's okay to do more. It really is. It's okay to give a little bit more to people. Now, there are limitations we have to put. There's a healthy boundary that we need to set because we don't want to just give and give and give and give and give forever, unlimited, for people to not reciprocate, and that's a whole nother conversation here, but we can give more. Doing a little bit more, getting a glass of water for someone before bed, getting, opening the door for your significant other or a friend or a lady at the grocery store is nothing that's going to hurt or kill you. And in fact, it might be the thing that someone needs to feel valued. So, the challenge today, and we'll come more closest to the end in just a few minutes here, But one, we need to look for more opportunities to serve in little ways. Serve in little ways. What are the notes that we can leave, the high fives we can give, the hugs that we can give, the encouraging text messages that we can give? What are those little tiny things that take 30 seconds to two minutes that will literally make someone's day? Another facet of this dynamic is having an emphasis of ownership, what we call extreme ownership. In your workplace, I don't know what positions you're in, but uh, an example comes to mind when I used to work for this dental practice, and, and my boss, he's an amazing guy, really cool guy, and I remember we were just talking in, in about this ownership mentality, and it came out specifically as a result of me going around collecting all the trash bins and taking them out. No one had asked me to do this, and I wasn't a janitor, I was a marketing director, but I said, look, this is our business, and it, well, I wasn't an owner of the business, I was an employee. But I took ownership of that of the office and it's and in how it looked and how it was presented and the way it smelled and all those different things. And I took out this trash and no one needed to ask me because I was taking ownership of my actions and of our team. And if everyone took a lot more ownership, then a little more would need to be done to help us perform at a high level. So in your instances, with your family and your friends, your church, your workplace, the places in the community that you go to, Where are the places that you can take a little bit more ownership? Can you take ownership for the way that that room looks? Can you take ownership for the way that 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 house or that building or that room presents itself to everyone who comes and visits it? If we take more ownership of everything as if it was our own, then you'll see that the instances in which we can serve others increase and the value that we provide in any circumstance is also increased. It doesn't hurt to give a little more. The results that we'll see of this as we do more of serving others, first is confidence. When you walk into a room and you own 
that situation and you own what it looks like to serve other people and you are coming forward and helping other people with the things that matter most to them, when you give that person that cup of water, you take out that trash at work and you're doing it for other people, you're going to have a confidence about you. You're going to feel confident in walking around because you know that you've done all that you can. The second thing that will come, and maybe not today, maybe not for a couple months from now, honestly, but you will get recognition. Whether it be in your professional workplace or in the colleagues you hang out with at home or church in your community, those people will start to recognize you. And it won't be necessarily in the way of, oh my goodness, I can't believe you're just doing all this extra stuff. But maybe it'll just be a smile, a head nod, a thank you a little bit more trust that people give you, a little bit more responsibility that you're entrusted with, those things speak to being set apart. Those things that come from serving other people are going to give you recognition in how people respond to you serving them. And the last thing, and as you serve people, you're going to find more understanding of your purpose. And your purpose will ultimately help direct the direction that you take your life, both in your workplace and in your community. So, wrapping up today's conversation, the challenge for you at the end of this segment is very simple. Pick one area of your life, one, whether it be work, home, church, your friend group, and just do a little bit more. Be intentional about it, and try and do a little bit more to serve the people in your community. Just think, If you tried to do one more thing in one area of your life that was to serve other people, what could change? Try it for 30 days and let us know what happens. Thank you for joining us on Kairos Talks. We hope that this crucial conversation was impactful for you. We hope you join us next time. Don't forget to subscribe and join in on the conversation in the Kairos Talks Facebook group. Thank you and have a great day.